Find your power. We asked thousands of women one question. Then we listened to their answers and now we get to dig deeper, have the tough conversations and explore the answers to even bigger questions. How is it possible that you have a good life right now yet still want more? What happens when you no longer fit into society's box? How would it feel to be free to live your life your way? These are the questions, and this podcast will explore the answers. I am Teresa. And I am Kelly. And we welcome you to Lifing Live. Let's talk. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Lifing Live podcast. We are so excited today to introduce you to a woman that I've known for years, had almost an immediate connection with. Uh, and the reason why we bring her today to you all is because we want you to hear a couple of really, really, really important messages. So welcome, Josebi Jackson, to the Lifing Life Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you, Kelly. I, I'm so glad to be here. I appreciate the honor that you guys have given me to be able to share my story with all of your listeners. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Honor as well. Our honor. Yes. So here's, here's what all of our listeners need to know. Uh, You don't have to take note, just listen. So Josevi is a wife, a mom, a grandmother, an author, and she is the business owner of Blackguard Books, which is a publishing company with international staff and international clientele. And she does it all. And as Kelly says, she does it all with a smile. So one of the first things we want you to understand is this is a powerful woman who has stepped into her power and is able to do what it is that she does. However, we're going to turn that and and let Josebi talk to us about whatever tips you can give our listeners. Uh, How do you make that all happen when you juggle that much stuff effectively with a smile? Talk to us. Okay, so you make it sound so easy. (laughs) (laughs) You make it look easy. (laughs) I've heard that before. Um, So I'll tell you, probably with this question, I would say that the answer is that I am very modest. So I recognize my limitations. And I solicit help when I need it. So that's how I'm able to juggle so many things because I know that, you know, there's a, I used to think in my 20s that I was superwoman and I could do it all. And I realized I'm in my 50s now, I realized that I can do it all. I can, I just need help. It's like instead of being Superman, you have to be the super friends. Right. So instead of fighting the battle by yourself, you have to elicit the help that you need. You have to learn how to delegate. You know, there's nothing wrong with uh, if you're a mother having a babysitter so you can go out on a date with your husband. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's nothing wrong with uh, as a manager delegating a task that you 
think you have to train people to do and that you feel like you're the only one who can do it. There's nothing wrong with give somebody the training and then give the delegate the task to them. So for me, I'm able to do it all. I can do it all because I am an, I'm very modest in my own personal abilities. I know that if I try to do too much, I'll be sick. I used to be sick. I was bedridden for a few years. And that taught me that I have to take care of me and I can't overdo it. It, it made me, it humbled me and it made me modest so that now I know I have to reach out to other people and I have to take care of me first. That's not always easy for women who, who fall, it's what we say all the time, we fall under the society shoulds. Uh, being able to take care of yourself first in a lot of women's lives appears to be a luxury. And what you're saying is it showed itself as a necessity. Absolutely. So, so when did you, when were you able to flip the switch from doing it all yourself to realizing that I got to take care of myself first so I can do for others? Uh, so I mentioned earlier, I was bedridden for almost two years. I was in pain. I had fibromyalgia really, really bad. And a lot of that came from, it was a, probably was a buildup of not eating well, not taking care of myself, not exercising toxins that had built up into my system. I just didn't do, you know, do anything to take care of myself. I was so busy taking care of everybody else. And then all of a sudden I had a car accident and it just exacerbated everything and smack. I was in bed for two years. My kids who were teenagers, my sons had to carry me up and down the stairs. My sons that I used to carry had to carry me to the bathroom to use the bathroom. That was so, I remember to this day, I can still remember crying and looking at them, I'm going to cry right now, just talking about it, but I can remember crying and looking at them and saying, I'm supposed to be carrying you. You're not supposed to be carrying me. And so when you get to that point, like it got so bad, I literally was like, I was in so much pain that I would be laying down, not moving. And it just eventually was, I was in so much pain that I, I had to turn over because that position was painful, but then to turn over was even more painful, but I had to do it because I couldn't stay in the same spot. And so when you get like that, it humbles you, you know? And so I realized if I, I couldn't take care of my kids, I couldn't take care of my husband. I couldn't take care. I owned a business at the time. I actually owned two businesses at the time. I couldn't take care of my employees. I couldn't take care of my clients. I couldn't take care of anybody because I had neglected to take care of Josetti. And so when I, what I did was I finally, I started studying natural health while I was in bed sick. Uh, I went to Mexico. Some friends of mine took me there. It was the first time I even knew about natural health. I thought they were crazy. They told me to walk in the grass, sing, take all these supplements, stop eating this, stop eating. I was like, these people don't know what they're doing. How can they just don't write me a prescription so I can go home and get better? Well, you know, I already had a whole bunch of prescriptions and that wasn't working. I would have ended up being a drug addict if I had gone that route. And so once I got better, I never wanted to be in that position again. I never want to be in that position again. And so when I say that I'm, I've been humbled, I'm very modest now. I know that I have to take care of me in order to take care of anybody else. If I don't take care of me, then I might as well be dead. Yeah, we say a lot of times, like as women, we have to put ourselves on the list. Like when Absolutely. do we hit the priority list? Uh, you know, you can have as many to-dos as you want all day long, 
the the number one to do has to be for yourself. And that yep. um, I'm not saying we get a lot of pushback, but that's probably one thing that women can't see themselves doing. So it's really good to hear that from you. Um, and that you can do that and still now yeah. take care of your husband and your kids and your grandkids and your business and all the people that depend on you from that point of view. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Thank you. And what I'm also hearing well, is you're taking care of them and they're taking care of you right back. I was like, just getting ready to say that. Oh, it's just full circle. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. You paid in your work. It is definitely a circle. Like literally, uh, I'm surrounded by people who I take care of them and they take care of me. It, it's reciprocal. It is. Yes. Um, I, I'm blessed to have a spouse who he cooks. If I, you know, if I skip breakfast, uh, he'll actually cook and bring me breakfast. Um, I'm fortunate to still have my mom and she'll do the same thing. Um, my daughter will come and clean my house. Uh, and, you know, we, we all do things to take care of each other. If I need anything, I know to ask. And the people around me know my personality. They know that if I'm asking, it's because I absolutely really need it because I have so much pride, right? That's the problem, I think, with women. We're supposed to be the caregivers. We're supposed to be in charge of everything. You know, I think it's a matter of pride. And, you know, it's, it's the, the view that women have had over the years of how we're supposed to be. And we're not supposed to be anything but who we are. And so I think once you embrace that and once you start to realize you don't have to be everything, then you can start to do all those things that you want to do. <laughs> yeah, right. Then you actually get what you want in the, at the yes. end of the day. Absolutely. So I wonder what happened in society that says the women had to cook, have to clean, have to take care of their man, like have to, have to do all this stuff. But, and, they're, it, and those rules... It never said everyone, and then the son can take care of her back, and the 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 husband can reciprocate, and you know what I mean. What is up with that? I don't know, but it doesn't happen in my household, right? <laughs> so I hire somebody to clean my house, just like uh, you would hire somebody to do your landscaping, or you hire somebody a dentist to clean your teeth once every six months. You hire somebody to do our hair, like. Why wouldn't we start thinking that way about other things? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's okay to have somebody come do your dishes. It's okay to have somebody come mop your floor. It's okay to delegate. And, you know, I think that's, we live in a time period. We live in a day and age where I think that's important. It's crucial. And even if you can't afford to do that on a regular basis, even if you just had somebody come and help spring cleaning, pay a kid in the neighborhood to clean up the dog poop in the backyard or something. If you have a dog, you know, I mean, it's just the little things, you know, and, and just take time just to sit and relax. So I work a lot. I work seven days a week. Uh, and people go, how in the world do you do that? You know, a lot of people say, what's your work-life balance? How are you able to do that? I don't have work-life balance. I have what I think is more like work-life integration. So my life is an, it's an open calendar and I schedule myself, right? I can schedule when I want to have calls. I can schedule uh, when I need to work. I can schedule when I'm going to play with my grandson. And I don't necessarily 
literally write down, I'm going to play with my grandson in my calendar. Uh, but if you, but if you need to do that, you know, to get started, then go ahead and do that. Um, I don't have to do that. I can just, you know, have a, you know, just I have the freedom and the flexibility to be able to do all of those things because I now have the freedom to be able to just take care of Josevi and do whatever it is that I want to do. My uncle, he used to joke uh, to the family and he would say, Josevi just wakes up in the morning and goes, hmm, I think I'm going to become this today. And then she goes off and does it, you know, and and I think it just comes from... (laughs) I think it just comes from, you know, after being bedridden, you realize life is short. And I, I'm a, I'm a Bible believer. I believe that we're created in God's image and he's a creator. And so we are creators. Our life is our canvas. And what we do with it, how we paint that canvas is what we're doing with our life. And nobody can make those decisions for us. And once a woman comes to that realization, you, you know, your husband can't dictate your life for you. Your parents can't dictate your life for you. Your children can't dictate your life for you. Your significant other, whoever, your pastor, your, your friends, you are the person who has to make the decisions for you in your own life. And when you realize that, you realize the responsibility that you have to do that, you only got one life and it's yours, nobody else's. And so when you realize that, then it changes your perception. It's it's a paradigm shift, you know? You you start to realize that you are important. You know, I wrote a book called Thrive and Be Somebody. You start to realize I'm somebody. I'm just as important as all of those people that I feel like I have to take care of. And when they see that you're like that, then it becomes reciprocal. People will treat you how you expect them to treat you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we earn respect, mm-hmm. number one. And, and that yeah. with respect comes that honoring. We honor how you are. We honor what you want. We honor how we can help you. Um, it's kind of like a rollover effect, which is a really good rollover effect. Uh, however, we have to try it. So, so for the women that are listening to the podcast that don't, venture out and, and do part of what you're saying or a piece of what you're saying or all of what you're saying, uh, then, then we're going to continue to get the same results, mm-hmm. which is what was happening to you before. Then all of a sudden you get a wake up call because as Kelly and I say, dress rehearsal is over, like stop pretending like you're going to have all this time in the world to do what you want to do. Now is the time to start doing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, okay, move in that direction. Like give yourself permission. You're not shirking your responsibilities because you bring somebody in to clean your house. Oh, wait, wait. But Josephi said, get somebody to clean my house while I sit and relax. Yeah, that's difficult for some women to hear, but you have the right to relax. And if meaning, if, if it means that somebody cleans your house, you have the right to relax because the house is clean. Um, so really it's just shifting how we think about things the permissions that we give ourselves and the grace that we give to ourselves Mm -hmm. so that we can do what it is that we want to do that lights us up, that fires us up. Because when we're lit up, we light up everybody else around us, right? When you're living your passion, your kids are happy for you. Your grandkids Mm -hmm. are happy for you. Your husband's happy for you. It's your mom's happy for you, right? Your clients are happy. Your staff is happy. Uh, But if you're miserable, man, everybody goes down with you. 
Oh, yeah. so then we pretend not to be miserable. Well, I'm here to tell the, the listeners that you can only pretend for so long because right. people will start seeing through that and know whether you're being genuinely happy or authentic or satisfied or, yeah. And, and if you're not, get there. And I think that's your biggest message because you, you've you been on both sides of it. Yeah. And now your message is, look, put yourself on the list. That's about the simplest way that we can possibly say it. Just put yourself you know, on the list. You're important. You deserve it. So thank you for impacting that on us. You're welcome. You know, it, it wasn't easy, um, Teresa. I had to fight for it. I, I literally had to fight to get better. I had to fight to change my lifestyle for my health. I had to fight to change my thinking. You know, it, it didn't, it wasn't a simple process. It wasn't easy, but for all of your listeners, the fight is worth it. It's well worth it because you're only fighting yourself. Yeah. yeah. And for a shorter period of time. Exactly. To reap the and when you win the fight, Yes, it's so worth it when you get on the other side. You know, we're fighting a lot. We're fighting things that were ingrained in us from childhood, you know? We're fighting, maybe we're bullied. And so I know for me that had an impact that I didn't even realize until years later, I was afraid to shine. And so I always self-sabotaged for a little while. So I had to fight against that. You know, there's so many things, but it's not easy. You know, you have to put in the work. You know, when I'm saying you, you have to fight against those ideas and those thoughts that you talked about earlier, is it okay to have somebody clean your dishes while you re relax? Absolutely it is. But for a lot of people, they have to fight to make that paradigm shift mentally. Mm -hmm. And so it's not something that is to be taken lightly. I, I had to work at it, but wow, once you do it, you know, it's worth it. And I still work at it. It's not something that you just do the work one time and then you benefit for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, those old ideas will pop up, you know, old programming, uh, things that, you know, when we were kids, what we watched on TV, the roles of, of spouses, of husband and wives, the roles of mothers, you know, you have to fight against all of that and just be your own authentic self, who you want to be. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, the programming that we've dealt with all our lives they represent blocks in certain aspects and we don't, we're not even aware of it. That's, that's the other thing that, that like, that's Kelly and my big mission is like, look, just become aware because the minute you become aware, you start recognizing what you can change. If you mm -hmm. want to change, There's some people don't want to, and that's okay too. Being aware that your programming came from TV shows, your programming came from the people who raised you, your programming mm -hmm. came from the school uh, playground. Mm -hmm. All of that stuff has accumulated and has caused us to act a certain way, which means we now have blocks in our lives. And, and our goal is to yeah. get over the blocks. Right. Right. So, so, so let's move on to a conversation about uh, getting over the blocks, if, if we could. Yeah. So you are the owner of Black Card Books. And so you are helping authors and you're helping people write books. And um, when thinking about the female clientele, what do you find is the biggest block to them completing their book? And what advice would you give to overcome that? I would say, Kelly, that's a great question. Um, 
it's a, a multi-tiered answer, but to make it as simple as possible, I think sometimes as women, life tends to get in the way of our dreams and our goals, our personal dreams and our personal goals. Um, and so some for a lot of women, writing a book is something that they really want to do. It's a dream, it's a goal, but because life gets in the way, we tend to put what we want to do on the back burner. And eventually we just kind of forget about it. it it's back there, you know, maybe in the back of our minds. Uh, but we don't, we we just we're so busy taking care of everybody else, doing everything for everybody else, you know, or doing working a job or, you know, being a mother or being a wife or whatever. And so life just tends to get in the way. What, what my number one piece of advice is, is you can do it and it's worth it for you to do it. And I think for, for our uh, authors, that's the number one thing is knowing, like get out of your own way, move those blocks out of the way and just mentally focus on your goal and know that no matter what happens, life gets in the way for everybody. It's not, you know, life got in the way for Oprah and she's still Oprah. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. life got in the way for Beyonce. She publicly announced that her husband was cheating on her. Her sister was beating them up in the elevator and stuff. But guess what? <laughs> she's still Beyonce. So, you know, some of the things that, pe you know, people look at other people and they think they don't have any problems. Oh, this is because you're this person. No, it, everybody poops the same way you know we're all the same i don't know if i could say that on your show you can say it, absolutely. <laughs> but i just did sorry <laughs> but you no, know no the worries. Of the matter, it's true you know we're all the same it's it's so you just have to know that you know whatever it is that you want to do whether it be writing a book becoming an author a speaker a coach whatever it is that you want to do you can absolutely do it and a book facilitates all that stuff, Giuseppe, right? I mean, it's not just write a book for the sake of writing. Well, wait, it is writing a book for the sake of writing a book because it's your dream. Because yeah. I've experienced that with Blackheart Books. That, that, by the way, full disclosure, Blackheart Books is my publisher. Yeah. Um, so it is writing a book because it's a dream come true. I get that. And it's writing a book for what the book will do for you. Yes. Yes. So if in such typical fashion for women, it might be the same for men too, but we can only talk from a women's perspective. A lot of times, correct me if I'm wrong, because you ask women, you ask people, what will this book do for you? And the first thing they want to do is tell them what the book will do for everybody else. Right? Absolutely. So how do you pull them back to recognize what the book will do for you? First of all, get over your block. You should write a book if it's a live stream. Put yourself on the list. Schedule some time every day to write your book. Those are the, the yeah. clues, right? But now, what is that book going to do for me? Take us there because everybody wants to say, oh, well, if they read my book, they're going to be able to. And we're like, yeah. well, if they read your book, what are you going to be able to do? Take us, take yeah. us there. Okay, so I have a confession to make. I was one of those people. So they asked me the same question. What do you want your book to do for you? And I said, oh, I want my book to help this person and help that person to be this and to help this person. So it was a paradigm shift for me as well, Teresa. Um, I will tell you that what we do now to help, because we hear that all the time, it, you know, it's, and it's not just women, it's men and women, you know, male and female. Uh, but 
for to answer your question, what we do is we have to simply give them examples, give them like we have to start getting them to think outside of the box because there there's always a primary objective. There's always a reason. There's something that they want to get out of out of the book. But I think we're sometimes scared to admit what we want. I think that's a huge issue. And so we give people ideas and examples. For example, I'll say, so what you just said is still what you want the book to do for other people. I want you to start thinking, what exactly is it that you want this book to do for you? So for example, I wanted my book to give me more credibility. I wanted my book to give me the opportunity to start a new business, a coaching business. I wanted to become a speaker. I wanted to, and then, so, and I'll give examples of other clients. We have a client who wanted to get more leads in her business. We have another client who wanted to do this. And so as I'm giving them ideas and examples of other people's primary object, objections or objectives, well, uh, then it starts to spark in their own minds. They start thinking, oh, I have permission to, say what I want the book to do for me. They start thinking about that. They start thinking internally now about what they want the book to do for them. So by giving them examples, it really gives them permission to start thinking. I think people think it's selfish to think about yourself, mm-hmm. but it's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're not thinking about yourself, who's thinking about you? <laughs> well, if you don't start thinking about yourself, that book's not going to get written. Mm-hmm. Nope. And, you know, we might be talking about writing a book right, right right now, but it could be anything. It could be whatever goal. If you don't, if you don't. Any dream. Yeah, any dream. Well, it also ties in exactly what we were talking about before. It's like, um, I'll just speak from a woman's perspective. It's like that duality between us that, that the conditioning that says I can't and I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy versus that new struggling perception of yourself saying, I am an author, I can do this, I can do that. That duality that battles, it's like the good wolf, bad wolf, or like angel, devil on your shoulder, whatever. I feel like that's our greatest um, overcoming in life is that to, to not be in duality anymore as one. And that helps with faith, it helps, you know, that, that helps it. But this is the issue. This is our issue. In our brain is this. And we want that. That's why in, in the workshops that you all do at Black Card Books, it's, okay, everybody, take out your pen and paper and write the word the. Good. You are now writing a book. You have yeah, started now an author. <laughs> yeah. Like those little steps, which we talk about all the time. It's like, look, everything can be broken down into small action items that actually get done because they're small. So the word the could be that impetus so that you change that language in your head Mm -hmm. and you say, oh, I'm writing a book. Yeah. You are. I'm an author. I'm an author. I've already crossed that boundary. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of it is what we tell ourselves. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. And so, and what we listen to, you've always talked, Teresa always talks about ear gate, eye gate, and mouth, mouth gate. gate. Like temper what comes out of your mouth and what you let in your ears and your eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you do an ear gate, which means you protect what you allow to come in because once it's in there, it can't come out. And so it'll work on your head. 
So you better be telling yourself good things or you better be listening to good things so the good stuff's coming in. The same thing with what you see, right? If you want to sit and listen to the news and watch the scenes on the screen of what they're showing you, it's in there. It will never come out. And then your mouth, whatever you say, you cannot take back in. So it's out there. So be very careful about what you say. And our thoughts are words and our words are creation going back to what you said earlier about creating. Mm -hmm. And so be very careful about what you say, because you don't want, um, you don't want that to manifest if, if it's not really what you want to let's that self-fulfilled prophecy kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. um, so, no, yeah. No. yeah. Uh -huh, go Everything that you're talking about is exactly what I wrote in my book, Thrive and Be Somebody, 11 Steps to Maneuvering Life's Obstacles with Confidence. Everything you just talked about. So one in, I don't even remember which chapter number, but in one of my, yeah, one of my chapters, I actually talk about cutting off negative thoughts, cutting off, like I literally will cut off a negative person. If somebody's saying something negative, I just whoop, literally I cut cut that off. I nope, that's not the conversation that I want to hear. Like literally, if you know, if it's something that on TV, if it's too much cursing, I don't curse. So if it's too, guess what? Boop, I change the channel. I just cut it off. Mm. And so, you know, that's another thing that we have to give ourselves permission, but recognizing those negative thoughts in our own yeah. heads and our own minds and literally cutting them off and reversing it and changing it to something positive. So mm. instead of saying, I can't do this, uh, or having a fear. I don't want people to think I'm dumb or I don't, I, you know, a lot, I think a lot of people don't write their books because they're afraid to put themselves out there for people to judge in case they make a mistake or, you know, you have to let go of that. And so, so that's really a fear, right? It's just a fear. And so mm -hmm. once you get, can get past that fear, you know, you could be thinking, oh, I, you know, I don't want, I don't want people to, people are going to judge me or people, People are going to think negatively about me. So then you could just stop that thought, turn it around and change it to people are waiting for my success. Yeah. They're excited and they're waiting for my success. So see, that changes how you think about what you're doing, because now you're, you, you got to get this book done because people are excited and waiting for your success. <laughs> you have people you need to serve. <laughs> Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, the message has to get out. I just want to share with our listeners who are thinking about writing a book. Uh, it was life-changing for me to be able to say that I'm a published author. And I did it to grow my coaching business. And my coaching business has soared uh, since I started writing, since I started using the book to do what the book is meant to do which is a whole nother conversation. But let's just say that when you've identified what you want the book to do for you, it can do it for you, whatever that happens to be. Yeah. So Giuseppe, as we wrap up, um, if you could give women one message about stepping into their power, what would that be? I would say the message would be this, Teresa. So first of all, I believe the only reason why women don't step into their power is because they don't feel powerful. 
I think women don't step into their power because they, they just feel powerless. And so the very first step, the huge step is recognizing that you are a powerful being. You have God-given power that's been given to you. Just like you can uh, punch or you can bat swing a bat, you can run, you can jump, you have the power to do all of those things. You have the power. So as soon as you recognize that, as soon as you realize that you've got the power and you have the control, you've been given, you know, the opportunity to create your own life, to be who you want to be. You have the power to do that. You know, you've got power in your hands. You can hear, you can see. And even if you can't, I mean, think I, we have one of our authors, uh, she doesn't have any arms and she doesn't have any legs. She's more like one of our most powerful authors. She's a speaker. She went from being on disability to being a, a speaker. She travels all around the world. She inspires people. She motivates them. So see, she get she got her book done and immediately she stepped into her power because she recognized with the coaching from our team that she could do this. She could do whatever it is that she wanted to do. She could be who she really wanted to be. And whatever limitations perceived or non-perceived from her or anybody else around her, she, she just burst past those and did what she wanted to do. And I think that's the key is recognizing you've got the power, guys. You know, ladies out there who are listening, I just want to say to you, you have more power than you can even imagine because women are doing things all the time and you are probably doing things for everybody else. You're probably the most important person on everybody's list. So know that you have the power. And I think that's the number one thing when it comes to stepping into it is knowing that you have it. One of Kelly's favorite things that she likes to remind us about is the Wizard of Oz. Yes, you've had it all along. You've had it all along. Yep. Like it's inside you. It's been inside you all along. It's just, we cover it up with all this muck and pain and time and experiences. And another thing is just, we don't have the past. It's gone. It's never coming back. There's nothing we can gain from past except the wisdom when we overcome we get so stuck in it sometimes and that stunts our growth in every other area and just be here now and take that leap and thank you so much Josevi. Josevi, thank you so much for having uh spending this time with us we so appreciate you and your words of wisdom that hopefully will echo in the halls of the Lifing Live podcast. So yes. thank you so much for being thank a part of so it. Thank you so much. As always, we're grateful to our listeners who uh, tune in, pay attention, and hopefully take action with the words that we share with you. Yes, and all our listeners, don't forget to go to makingofyourlife.com to find our next uh, masterclass. And of course, as always, take care of yourselves and have a great day. Thank you, everybody. Bye.